Hello and welcome to another episode of My Favorite Trees. My name is Thomas and I love trees. This episode I am once again trying something new. There are many fascinating trees out there that deserve some time in the spotlight, but I may not have enough content for them to craft an episode at my normal length. I've somewhat remedied this in the past by talking about entire tree groups rather than a single species. Now, I've decided now that I might be able to throw a couple different trees together that share a theme in a sort of medley episode. I've actually done this once before with the spice trees, but I want to try and do this sort of thing more consistently. I've chosen now to try this out because today and a week from today, there are two wonderful people out there celebrating their birthdays. Not just friends, but mentors who helped shape who I am as a park ranger to this day. As a present, I've let each of them pick a tree that I would talk about in this medley episode. So help me wish a very happy birthday to Ranger Paul and Ranger Itai as I talk about two very different but very interesting trees, the limber pine and the walking palm. Starting off with Ranger Paul's tree, as his birthday is up first, the limber pine is now the third pine tree that I've talked about on this show. Something to recall about the pine tree group is that it is rigorously organized in its taxonomy. Its family tree is thoroughly segmented into subgenera and sections and subsections based on a variety of physical characteristics. The broadest split in the pine group is between hard pines and soft pines. The general difference between them being the number of needles that sprout together in their needle bundles or sheaths, as well as the hardness or softness of the wood as the name suggests. So far I have only talked about soft pines, the limber pine being one of them. I'll talk about hard pines… eventually. But among the soft pines, we find those other two species I've covered, the eastern white pine and the bristlecone pine. I won't get into the nitty gritty of how the family or genus tree is organized, but I will say that the limber pine is more closely related to that section of white pines. You'll notice a couple similarities between these two trees. Both trees have five needles in their fascicles. That's the word for the papery sheaths that pine needles form in and attach them to the branches. Both trees also lack any prickles on their cones. That detail is actually one of those characteristics that goes a long way in helping to identify pine trees. For example, bristlecone pines, as the name suggests, have very prickly or bristly cones. But what makes the limber pine unique is how bendable its wood is. Its young wood specifically is so bendable that you could take a bow and tie it in a knot. It's not only where we get its common name, limber pine, but also its scientific name, Pinus flexilis. Flexless, meaning flexible. The flexibility of its wood is very important, as limber pines tend to live in rather extreme environments. The native range of the limber pine is on mountain slopes of the American West, with its highest concentration being along the Rocky Mountain Range. In the Northern Rockies, you'll find it growing at a more transitional middle zone, between 5,000 and 8,000 feet in elevation. Still pretty high up. But as you move further south from Montana, you'll see these trees growing higher and higher all the way to treeline in Colorado. 
This is the elevation where you stop seeing trees growing, and that can be a height of over 11,000 feet in that part of the world. At that high of elevation, which is around 3,300 meters for you metric folks, you'll get a lot of intense weather patterns. Hard, cold winds, heavy snows, things that make it tough to live there. But thanks to its flexibility, the limber pine can withstand all of this. To be fair, it comes with a cost. When you were a kid, did your parents ever tell you not to cross your eyes because they'll stick that way? Well, when a young tree is growing high in the Rockies, it'll bend this way or that way to withstand the wind, or let itself get bowed over under the weight of several feet of snow. And by the time it reaches adulthood, it's kind of stuck that way. This is a phenomenon referred to as a Krumholtz shape. A tree takes on a Krumholtz shape after being subjected to persistent intense weather like high winds or heavy snow. It makes the tree look permanently windswept, or bent over, or stunted. If you were to see it, you very well might think something was wrong with it. But that shape is necessary for the tree to grow in those conditions. That's how it survives. The limber pine is a tree that is a key feature in North American mountains, but it is often overshadowed by other pine species in those mountainous regions. For example, it looks very similar to the whitebark pine, a tree that shares its range in the northern Rockies. The further north you go, the lower elevation you'll find the limber pine, while the whitebark pine replaces it as the tree-line species. There's a couple ways to tell them apart. They both have five needle bundles and no prickles on their cones, but the whitebark pine keeps its cone closed into maturity while the limber pine opens theirs up. Another tree that steps on the limber pine's toes is our old friend, the bristlecone pine. Emphasis on old, because we're talking about age. The limber pine can grow to be an astounding 3,000 years old. A single tree. There are limber pines alive today that are older than the city of Rome. But you see, it can grow alongside the bristlecone pine in various mountains throughout the American West. And the bristlecone pine can grow to be 5,000 years old. If folks were to go to a forest where both trees grow, which tree do you think they're going to be taking pictures with? Now, most of that popularity competition takes place outside of its primary growing zone of Colorado. So thankfully, folks in Colorado, especially around Rocky Mountain National Park, love the limber pine. They don't care that there's older trees or higher trees somewhere else. This is their own ancient tree-line tree. And it's a good thing it's so well-loved there because it does need some help in another way. Back in the Eastern White Pine episode, I mentioned a threat to white pines called white pine blister rust. This is a fungus transmitted by nearby gooseberry and currant species that wreaks havoc on white pine populations. And unfortunately, the limber pine is close enough in relation that it suffers from this white pine blister rust, on top of negative effects caused by the mountain pine beetle and climate change in general. But the National Park Service, in conjunction with other federal, state, and private academic partners, has led a proactive effort to prevent massive species degradation in the Rocky Mountains. For over a decade, the park has been leading yearly efforts to track a wealth of data regarding the impacts these threats have had on limber pine populations. White pine blister rust spread can be slowed by identifying infected individuals and removing them. Killing the tree rather than healing it may seem weird, but we don't yet have a means to heal it, 
and this action at least prevents further spread. And one proactive move that's being made is identifying individual trees that are apparently showing resistance to the infection, and saving seedlings from these samples to serve as future genetic stock. These efforts are important, not just because this is a really cool tree, but also because this is an ecologically important tree. The seeds are a high-calorie food source for a number of species that call these mountains home. A number of bird species will call the branches of these trees home in and of itself. Small herbaceous plants rely on these trees as their root structures prevent soil erosion and help maintain a solid earthen structure for the forest floor. These trees also help stabilize seasonal effects. Limber pines do a great job at retaining a consistent base layer of snow, which slows melt-off in the spring, allowing for a longer spring-growing season. All in all, the limber pine is a wonderful tree. A tree that doesn't need history or folklore to be someone's favorite. All you really need is to see it standing, or bent over, or swept back like a flag. Up there in the alpine, with the sunlight sparkling off its snowy boughs. It's a tree that a ranger can't help but love. Moving on to birthday boy number two, Ranger Itai chose a tree that couldn't be more different from the limber pine. He actually gave me a whole list of trees he likes, and it turns out I had already covered just about all of them. That sort of thing happens after 40-something episodes. That being said, we are now moving 3,000 miles south to the tropical rainforest of South America, an ecosystem exploding with diversity, particularly when it comes to palm trees. This is the first time I'm revisiting the palm family since my episode on the coconut tree. The palm family, Aracaceae, is massive. We're talking around 2,600 different species of palm tree. What's immediately very interesting about palm trees is that they are a type of plant called monocots. Without going into too much science, this detail makes them more closely related to the grass in your backyard than to the trees. In fact, this descriptor would lead some people to tell you that they aren't even trees at all. And while that may be somewhat true, I still think they're really cool and I want to talk about them anyway. A lot of palms look really weird and do weird things, and the walking palm is no different. Here, we are specifically talking about the species Socratea exoriza, also known as the Cachapona tree. You're likely to find this tree in rainforests anywhere between central Bolivia and Nicaragua. But real quick, let's get back to that name. The species name exoriza comes from Greek origins, meaning outside or external roots. And you better believe it took everything in me to not say... This word has Greek roots. Anyway, that name is a direct reference to this tree's most unique biological feature called stilt roots. Imagine a palm tree, if you will, from top to bottom. Nice floppy leaves at the top. Ah, so lovely. Waving in the breeze. Makes it feel warmer already. Don't get distracted. Keep moving down the trunk. But as you approach the ground, Picture the trunk splitting into a cluster of stilt-like legs a few feet up before burying itself in the earth. These are its roots, growing outside, above the soil. Not only are they just out there, exposed, but they're also covered in spines. Now, the purpose of these spines is pretty straightforward. 
they protect the roots. But the overall purpose of why the roots are the way they are is a little bit more mysterious. The common name walking palm comes from one idea of how these roots work. It is believed that these trees will grow stilt roots in one direction while simultaneously killing the roots in the other direction. This would allow the tree to inch its way forward on these constantly rotating stilts in order to move itself to an area of the forest where there is more sunlight. This tree walks around the rainforest. Or at least, that's what you'll hear from the tour guides on rainforest jeep excursions. But as cool as the idea sounds, it is a theory unsupported by science. Research would suggest that the trunk of the Kashapona cannot shift itself away from the original center of mass of that stilt root cluster, meaning there's no way it could walk. But what then is the purpose of these enigmatic exorizas? One theory is that it provides extra stability for when these trees grow in muddy swamps or on unlevel mountain slopes. Research has again proven this to be unlikely, as one study showed that there was no significant difference in the size or structure of root clusters based on growth site conditions like muddiness or slope. But the leading theory today combines both the ideas of stability as well as the search for better sunlight. You see, the thing that makes trees and woody plants special is the ability to undergo secondary growth. Primary growth can be thought of as an upwards action, while secondary growth is more of an outwards action. Trees can get thicker and thicker to support their size, while palms, which are closer to grasses, cannot. So what is most likely is that the cluster of stilt roots at the walking palm's base provides a degree of stability so that the tree can reach taller heights and break through the canopy to get more sunlight. Because otherwise, it couldn't grow thick enough to support that kind of growth. Even if that explanation isn't as cool as the ability to walk around, it still makes for an incredible tree. It's a tree that is well-loved by the natives of the region. Its wood-like composition is an important source of construction material, and the tree has other, somewhat medicinal, uses as well. It's said that those roots aren't just for show. You can apparently grind the roots down into a powder or paste that can then be used as a male aphrodisiac. It's no coincidence I'm writing this script on Valentine's Day. But just like the limber pine, the walking palm is a wonderful example of how hidden gems flourish in the forests around us. Trees that don't necessarily span all of human history and importance, but have niche aspects to them that make them just as incredible as their more well-known neighbors. So once again, happy birthday to Ranger Paul and Ranger Itai, and thank you both for inspiring the topic of this episode, and for inspiring me in general. I can't wait to blend more trees into medleys in the future. In two weeks, we return to format with a tree group I have been avoiding for quite some time. In Europe, there's really just one species of oak tree that really stands out. But in the United States, oak trees are defined by their diversity. I couldn't pick just one to talk about, and trying to juggle all 90 of them felt like a lot. But on March 8th, I'm taking the challenge head-on and presenting to you the American oak trees. All their diversity, all their uses, and all the love that we Americans give to them.
I want to thank all of you for listening to this podcast. If you have the time, leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to help us grow. The music is by Academy Garden. You can find more of their awesome stuff at academygarden.bandcamp.com. My cover art is by at Boomerang Brit on Instagram. My script editor and social media manager is the wonderful Lori Hilburn. Find me on Twitter and Facebook at My Favorite Trees or on Instagram at Tree Podcast. And if you'd like to thank me back, you can do so by donating to your favorite sustainable organization, some of which are listed on my website, mftpodcast.com. Now, go find a tree that you love and give it a hug. <laughs> <laughs>